Good morning. Good morning and <laughs> welcome to Tammy Talks 2. Today it is my pleasure to speak with chairwoman and congressional candidate for the 11th district, Ms. Chantelle Brown. Welcome Chantelle. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is my honor, privilege, and pleasure to be with you today. Likewise, did you know I received a beautiful advertisement for you a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I want to touch base on some of the items. The first is meet Chantelle. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into politics? And if you had a mentor? So I always like to start with the how I got into politics, because I think that that kind of gives people um, a great insight to who I am as a person, the type of things that motivate me, and um, really how this journey has progressed um, from a simple inquiry about how I would get my neighbors to safety in the event of an emergency. That was the question that led me to my very first city council meeting in 2011. And that question um, occurred to me because the earthquake tragedy in Japan had recently struck. And I thought to myself, my neighbors are all fantastic, first and foremost. They are all seniors and retirees who treated me like their very own child. And so there was a natural kinship there. And wanting to know how I could help them was kind of a proactive approach. It wasn't reactive. I wasn't responding to something that, you know, was upsetting to me. It was just, you know, something on my heart that said, find out how you can help your neighbors. And so um, I continued to go to my meetings, Tammy. And while I was there, um, I learned some things about my community. And and while Warrensville is great, every community has room for improvement. So rather than complain, I'm a person that believes in the expression, be the change you want to see. And so that's what led me to run um, for my very first city council race. I often share the fact that I continued going and and building relationships with the administration gave me a unique opportunity to serve my constituents before being in office. Um, They availed themselves to me and said, if you need some help out there, let us know. Well, as you can imagine, when you're knocking on your doors (laughs) and telling people you want to represent them, they are not shy about telling the issues that need to be addressed. And so when they pointed them out to me, I passed them on to the administration and things started happening. So now fast forward, election day comes, the polls close, and I was down by six votes, Tammy. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Not six votes. Six oh votes. God. Down, but not out. Disappointed, not but out. not devastated. Right? So I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm trusting your infinite wisdom. This must not be for me. And I was actually convinced I would never run for public office again. But people who were more political, yeah, people were like, you know, you, you came so close. You got to try it again. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm doing, you know, I can get stuff done without the title. But what I didn't know is there were 23 provisional ballots in the race. And for people who are listening, 20 the provisional ballots happen maybe if you request an absentee ballot and you don't use it and you go show up on election day um, then you'll have to bro- vote provisionally or maybe you right. do update your voter registration to your new address so you're not at your new location you have to vote provisionally and it's a way to make sure that people aren't um, manipulating the system and trying to vote twice so in my race there were 23 there were three of us on the ballot and I ended up winning by seven votes 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. And so that seven has been so significant to me. I mean, it really has changed the entire trajectory of my life because as a, as a child of faith, seven represents perfection, completion, and God. And so I often attribute um, this public service journey to his divine intervention, grace, mercy, and favor. And those have been the uh, foundation and, and, and really the guiding principles as it relates to this work that I intentionally describe as public service because I know that I am here to work for the people and not the other way around. Um, and so after that, they appointed me to um, the planning commission. And if anybody knows anything about planning commissions in the, in the suburban community, that is a very big responsibility because anything from a home addition to a new business has to come before the planning commission. So it taught okay. me a lot really, really fast. And it also gave me an opportunity to meet more of my neighbors and a lot of business folks. But more importantly, it gave me the um, the ability and the, the, the foundation to learn how to run an effective and efficient meeting. Um, fast forward after that, my name shows up in the paper in 2014 as a potential successor to the Honorable Judge C. Ellen Connolly. Shout out to her, Trailblazer. Oh my home, right? Yes, 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 yes. And she was retiring. And so the position of county council um, for for District 9 was um, an open seat. And so people were thinking about who could potentially fill this seat. And my name showed up and something nodded my spirit and said, well, think about it. So now it's 2014. I'm three years in as a city council person um, doing what people would describe as, as significant things, great things in the, in the by way of the um, chair of the planning commission. So um, I decided I would run. Um, okay. <laughs> but before making that solid decision, I, I talked to uh, Mayor Sellers at the time, who was both a friend and a mentor. And um, I said, well, what do you think about me running? He said, you would be good, but you should talk to the congresswoman first. And at that time, um, now Secretary Fudge was the congressperson. And I was nervous about it because, you know, I'm like, okay. Um, but she was great think twice she said if brad's supporting you i'll support you and that okay. race turned out a lot different than my first i'm happy to say um you know the the thing that happened in 2014 now there were twice as many candidates <laughs> everyone sure. was more qualified uh -oh. more experienced more educated they said they would have more money all of the things so i was like the least of everything Sammy. oh no right right okay. right right <laughs> but you're still there you're i'm still, still there. there right so um so as i was saying i'm happy because what happened um we earned 48 percent of the vote in that six person race and um i didn't realize how impressive that was until 2017 uh -huh. when i became um the democratic party chairperson and uh, and that was at the at the suggestion of of uh, of Marsha Fudge, now Secretary of HUD. She she contacted me and she said, "Listen, I want you to think about something. And if you say no, that's fine, um, because it's an unpaid position and it's a lot of work." <laughs> so I'm like, uh -oh. oh, "Okay, right. That's that's just what I want to do. A lot of work for no money." <laughs> So, so I, uh, so what, so what essentially ended up, what I actually did end up doing was being per very prayerful. So I prayed about it. I reached out to people that, you know, I had a lot of confidence in and I trusted and I asked what they thought. They said, well, you really have nothing to lose and you would be um, a, a, a breath of fresh air as it relates to that position. Um, not, not even taking into account that it would be a history making opportunity too, because I became the first woman and the first black person ever elected. And that elected is very important because that means the people in the party decided to put me in position. And um, and that is a, a tremendous honor and responsibility that I continue to hold in high regard as I balance that 
with being a county council representative for 10 of the 59 communities here in Cuyahoga County while running for Congress. Oh so my finally, goodness. Right. So why Congress? Why now? Well, the fact of the matter is I didn't just wake up and decide that I wanted to be a congressperson nor would I describe myself as a career politician. Um, I am a person that's really at a sweet spot. I've got nine consecutive years of legislative experience and um, the with the most recent being um, delivering results during some of the most challenging, polarizing, divisive and volatile times in our nation's history. And so the work that I've been doing includes um, modernizing our messaging system of text 911 and and passing legislation to declare racism as a public health crisis, but more importantly, overseeing over $200 million of COVID relief funds. No other candidate can speak to that accomplishment during, again, these most challenging times. So I just want to go and continue to fulfill the legacy of those that have come before me. And that is why I am running for Congress. I just want to continue to help people who have been hit the hardest by this pandemic and to deliver the results and the resources that they need um, to continue to on the road to recovery. Well, I think that is outstanding. <laughs> Thank you. Chairwoman. Thank and you. Congratulations for being a history maker. Thank you. Thank That's you. Thank excellent, you. Thank you. <laughs> I am so proud of you. You know, I, I never knew your story, you know, mm-hmm. and I met you several years ago. And let me yes. just say this. I was doing something, you know, I'm a community organizer, an advocate for a lot of great things in the city or in the in this uh, Northeast Ohio, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I was doing something in East Cleveland and I said, it was kind of a last minute thing. And I reached out to you, I said, Chantel, can you make an appearance? But you were busy because you had a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But what you did do, you said, well, Tammy, I can do a video. Mm-hmm. And you can show the video. And I thought that was just <laughs> beautiful. And I appreciated you for that. And what the next thing I know, I had a video. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Listen, I go. I try to go wherever I'm invited, but sometimes, you know, juggling juggling the different roles makes it sometimes difficult to be and you know be everywhere where I get invited to. And so when I can't. And people are as gracious and accommodating as you were. I want to be able to deliver something for them um, that will be meaningful and impactful for whatever the issue is um, that we're dealing with at that particular time. So thank you for that. That is very, very, very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. Well, and again, thank you, Chantel, because, you know, I see politics as as like a service, service for the community. And so I see you as a service, a, a service person, a person who's really trying to help the community. So I, again, I appreciate you for that. You did not have to do that. Aww. You know, sometimes you call people and they don't call you back. I'm always shocked when people say that because that's another response that I get from folks often is thank you for calling me back. I'm like, who is not calling you back? Because that is the bare minimum of the job that we are supposed to do as public servants. I think to your point, um, people get it twisted. They they get caught up in and because this I, I'm going to be very very candid and, and and transparent. It can be if you are not grounded and rooted in your faith, this can be intoxicating. You can't lose sight that of the fact that you are um, that you're here to serve people because people, you know, give you a lot of um, accolades and honors and credit and all of that stuff. But I'm so grateful. Um, number one, that I have amazing friends and family who remind me and they keep me humble. But also the fact that I get to tell that story about how I get into politics and I say get to because it is a privilege to be able to give God the glory and recognize that my journey is not by my own um, will but really 
um, I feel it is a calling. And so it has kept me, uh, again, anchored and focused on the people. And I never have lost sight of that. But if you if you don't have that at your core or at your foundation, I can tell you, I can see very easily how people can get caught up and think that people are supposed to be serving them instead of them serving the people. Well, you know what? That is exactly right. And I think that has been a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you reach out to the people that you elect into office, you really expect them to at least the minimum return your phone call. That's so right. I appreciate you for that. I really do, Chantel. But I know that you're running for Congress to lead a swift recovery for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know that you will work with the Biden administration to do that. So let's, I think you have about five priorities. Yep. Can yep. you tell us about your priorities? So, yes. So first and foremost, my platform is healthcare, jobs and justice on the short side. That's the short answer. But under that healthcare umbrella, just a bold recovery from um, from COVID-19, making sure that we continue to provide free, regular, regular and reliable testing. Yes, the um, government is relaxing restrictions, but there's still variants out there. And and, and there are countries around the world that are still struggling um, with this virus. So we cannot just completely let our guards down. So we just need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to um, continue to battle that back. And vaccinations, while we are reaching um, great numbers and there are so many incentives to make sure folks are being um, vaccinated, we wanna make sure that we continue um, in that effort so that we can reach uh, what they describe as herd immunity. Um, and, and when we talk about jobs, oh my goodness, um, you know, when we talk about jobs, we, we have to talk about poverty and, and the creation of jobs that will actually afford people a decent living. Um, too many folks are working two and three jobs. And, and that's that's not the American way. I don't think that uh, that's what, especially not to make ends meet. You know what I mean? So like in some instances, we have our side hustle for extra money. But the fact that some people have to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet is not the ideal conditions um, for Americans. That's not the American dream by any stretch of the imagination. So I am excited that we have an administration that's actually looking at things through a lens of equity, inclusion, and equality, and really addressing um, those who need resources the most. And so if we're going to capitalize on these once-in-a-lifetime investment opportunities, we need someone in Congress who can work with the administration and the current congressional members, um, because the creating the job opportunities likely will be a competitive process. We continue to rank amongst um, one of the poorest big cities in the nation, so we need right. these resources the most, right? So we need somebody who can advocate on our behalf. And having had um, a great relationship with Secretary Fudge and the honor of sharing the stage with our vice president, not once, not twice, but three times, um, puts me, yes, puts me in a great position to be able to um, bring home the bacon. (laughs) <laughs> for, That's for the what people we here. Yes, for the people in the 11th Congressional District. So those opportunities will inevitably create more jobs in our communities. But I'm That's also true. sensitive to job creators. Everyone doesn't want a job. Some people, we have so many entrepreneurs, so many creative people, so many great ideas. And so um, we also need to be conscious about those um, individuals who maybe uh, have uh, ideas of starting their own businesses. And how do we get them the collateral? How do we get them the capital? How do we make sure that they are setting themselves up for success? Because too often, so many folks who start their businesses, especially those that look like you and I, um, struggle to 
get those businesses off the ground and for them to be in a sustainable position. And finally, justice. When we talk about justice, um, I mean, that that is an encompassing, including um, not just racial and social justice, but environmental justice. I mean, we if we don't take care of the earth, then nothing else will matter because we won't have a place to live. But I'm proud to say um, as, as a county council member, I passed legislation to declare racism as a public health crisis right. with bipartisan support, right? And that legislation was not simply words on paper, but it was really um, something that I would describe as um, designed to leave meaningful and lasting impact. I, I was intentional and deliberate about including statistical data around affordable housing, um, mental health issues, criminal justice reform, education, transportation, all the things that have had a disparate impact on our, on our communities of color. And I wanted it that way so that when long after I'm gone and long after the, this current administration is out of office, they have a document to reference with benchmarks to see where we are and why it is so important that we continue to put resources and supportive services behind those needs. And so that to me um, is really, those are my priorities. Those are things that I have done um, on the local level. But again, I'm running for Congress to continue to do this work at a greater level. So those um, are a few examples of some of the top uh, priorities that I hope to be able to deliver again in conjunction with the Biden administration. Well, I think that's fantastic. Now, these are the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Let us know about some of the things you've already done, some of your key projects in Northeast Ohio. Oh, goodness. So if you um, if you know Northeast Ohio, one of the things that was really exciting um, to be able to deliver for my district specifically was the uh, Van Aken project on, in Shaker Heights. OK, um, I was just I was just coming into office. Um, Mayor Lycan was still in office. And shout out to Mayor Weiss, who uh, picked up the baton and ran with it to carry the project out to um, its full fruition. But that was um, that was a big undertaking. You know, that was one that really um, required a lot of collaboration, sitting at the table, convincing um, my colleagues, you know, to support this because we delivered resources for that. Um, another thing that I'm proud of um, as it relates to countywide deliverables um, is the text 911 messaging system. Um, a constituent came to one of our county council meetings. He is um, hearing impaired and expressed that the deaf community had no way to communicate in an emergency situation. Us, those of us who are um, who are able can just easily call 911. But we I, I think too often we we neglect to think about those who are um, who, who don't share the same benefits or privileges or advantages that we do. And so when he brought that to my attention, I thought that was an atrocity. And so I um, ran with the with the issue to make sure that the administration activated and modernized our 911 platform to include text um, text 911. And again, that's not a sexy subject. It doesn't make headlines, but it actually saves lives. That's and there's, right. Yes. And there's a story um, on Cleveland.com about a woman who wasn't hearing impaired, but she was in the car with her abuser and she could not call 911. She used the text 911 platform and she was able to get rescued because of it. So wow. those are the type of things, yes, I've been doing. And I could go on and on. I mean, say yes to education. Um,
one of four cities in the nation that actually has this program called Say Yes to Education. And I don't think it, it gets enough credit or it is as well um, as well known throughout the, the county as it should be. But what Say Yes to Education does is essentially it provides wraparound services, not strictly for the students, but also for the parents who may be job insecure, home insecure or food insecure. The county provides the wraparound services to support the parents so that the students can focus and they're not distracted with those issues um, that may prevent them from getting the best and reaching their full potential, their full education potential. And after they graduate high school, they can attend college tuition free. So that is an outstanding program. Again, we're only one of four um, cities in the nation that has this uh, program for our Cleveland Public School students. So I'm pretty proud of that as a Cleveland Public School graduate. <laughs> so John right, Adams in the know, house. You are a phenomenal <laughs> woman, Chantel. Oh, thank That's you, phenomenal. Tammy. Likewise. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I'm looking at your literature and I'm like, wow. See, and we, a lot of times, we don't know all the things that a person has done until you have the opportunity to speak about it. Yes. Now, you're being kind of uh, modest here because I see a whole lot. Yes. Amazon Fulfillment Center. Yes. We're creating jobs. 2,000 full-time jobs, Chantel. Yes, yes. The Rocket Mortgage Field House employed 2,700. Yes, construction workers. workers. Yes. 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 So Metro yeah. So it's been, it's been. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tammy. It is a lot. It is a lot, and it's hard for me sometimes to talk about myself. Well, you um, have to. Yes, I know. I know. I know. And and it, but it is. It has been. It has been such. Um. It has been such a great time. I mean, in the short time that I've been in office, I am proud of the things that I've been able to do. But I don't do them for the glory or the credit. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing it because I really want to help folks improve the quality of their lives so when you talk about the rocket mortgage field house that was the q deal um and it got a lot of it got a lot of pushback from the community and that wasn't one that was popular at the time and because of that um i didn't i didn't shy away or, or duck my head what i did was i took i saw that as an opportunity to go out into to the community and host um town halls in my district so that i could help my constituents understand why i made the decisions to to make that i made um you know it was labeled at one point corporate welfare and they people were suggesting that we should use the money for a diversion center but what they didn't realize is that was not owned by Dan Gilbert. The the queue is actually publicly owned property. So we, we the people, right. own, we own that property. But that's hard. You can't really convey that. It, you know, corporate welfare is cute. That's two, that's two words, you know. But to say, hey, hold up. We own that property and Dan Gilbert is our tenant. And when your tenant approaches you and says, hey, I want to make an improvement to your property and I'm willing to pay 50% of it, you don't just walk away. And so the other thing that people didn't realize about that deal, Tammy, is that um, the resources that we use, the funding mechanism was called a bad tax. And um, for those who aren't familiar with the bad tax, when next time when you go out of town, you look on your um, hotel bill, that is a bad, that, that's the bad tax. There's always right. a bad tax there and the bad tax is essentially used um, for tourist related infrastructure projects. A diversion center does not fit that category, right? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. As creative as I can be, that does not fit the category. And plus the other thing that's amazing to me about using the bed tax to, um, to invest in our property mm -hmm. was the fact that you pay it if you're staying overnight at the hotel. And generally, if you live here, you're not staying overnight at the hotel. And if you that's are, right. that's none of my business. <laughs> okay. 
so, so I would often say that. So the bed tax, the other analogy that I would also um, use for folks so that they could just get an even greater understanding, it, it would be the equivalent of getting a Home Depot gift card. No matter how hungry you are, you cannot take that Home Depot gift card to the grocery store. So it had yes, very well. strict use. And so we made the we made the best um, use of the money that we had. And so that's just the um again accountability i i I, i'm not hold elected officials accountable if you are unsure or unclear about the decision that we're making we owe that to our constituents so again i'm not one to run and duck and hide or shy away from the decisions that i'm making because i'm very very thoughtful because um again i have to be able to walk around this community with my head up um, and, <laughs> you know, and not be running around like, uh oh, here come, here comes Tammy. I told her I was gonna do X, Y, Z. I right? sent her that video. Like, no, I can't, I can't live my life like that. No, you, you know don't want to live like that. Right. That's so. right. Because you know what? Because the next thing you know, we'll be giving you the sad ass Shantae. Exactly. Exactly. We don't do that. It's, it's so, and then running into you. So I ran into you um, in, in Glenville, and and that was that was a beautiful thing. But you know, can you just imagine if you had asked me about to do something, and then you see me, and then I, now I'm ducking my head. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see folks, and generally folks are happy to see me because. I, if even if I couldn't do it, I'm gonna tell you. If I can't do something, I'm I'm just gonna tell you. I'd rather you be mad at me for telling you the truth than um, than just walking around in, in a blind stupor, if you will, for some false promises that I cannot deliver on. So that's that's how I'm that's how I'm living as a public servant. That is my that is my um, fundamental process as it relates to decision making and how I communicate with my with my with we call them constituents but it's family at the end of the day I see folks as an extended family that I have to do everything I can to fight for my family to make sure that they have the best that we have available to us and that's exactly what we want we want our leaders to be transparent mm-hmm. and you know i would like to say i would like for them to be honest yes just tell us the truth yes and either you can do something or you can't but don't just act like i didn't ask don't like act like i didn't you know mm-hmm. didn't make a phone call mm-hmm. just just respond as a, yeah. as a servant as a public servant yeah but listen you also have there's an infrastructure and transportation improvement totaling more than 1.7 billion dollars <laughs> yep 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 that's so billion with a b that's billion with a b we have we've been doing a lot of work at the county um one of the one of the one of the infrastructure projects um that stands out that's really of note is if you've been to euclid um, the city of euclid they had a, an amazing project but it was a collaboration it wasn't just the county it was um, the county, the state, the city all came together to um, deal with the um, the receding uh, banks in Euclid that was kind of eroding the, 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 the land and, and about to really it's, it eventually sweep the land right under homeowners. And so what we did in collaboration with the homeowners, the city, the state, the county, we made an investment. And now that is a beautiful um, property in um, the city of Euclid near the park. It's a uh, lake the lakefront renovation project it is it is absolutely amazing and it is an example um for the whole um eerie eerie line the lake erie shoreline from from 
not just Cuyahoga County, but the entire shoreline to follow is a model that everyone is trying to replicate because it has been such a tremendous success and it provides public access to people that once never once had it before. It was just a really brilliant thing. But I mean, that $1.7 billion, that's just one example, but it's the roads, it's the railways, it's the bridges, it's the things that, you know, we, we, we utilize every day, but again, take for granted until we, until we hit that truck hole. <laughs> <laughs> get them tires up, right? Get them tires up. You be like, who is responsible? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. So yes. So that's what that's the um that's over a course of a couple of years um, in, in my position. And again, so when you see those signs and you see those barrels those are your tax dollars at work and so um certainly should uh celebrate not only me but we get these projects are done because we work together so that that was that's the thing that i want people to take away it's not just Chantel by herself but the ability to work with other entities to get things done and that's what we need in congress as that's exactly what we need Chantel. and as a resident of the city of euclid i want to thank you yeah you are welcome <laughs> <laughs> You look like you know just what I'm talking about. Oh, believe me, I know. Yes. Now, I'm also saying that you champion voting rights initiatives. Can you oh, tell goodness. us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as the Democratic Party chair, um, one of the things that I learned very quickly, um, you know, our our um, infrastructure, our party infrastructure, was just largely based on um, what I would describe as consolidation of power. People just wanted to put people in positions to make sure that they retained their position of power. Well, that was not satisfactory to me because I needed more. I need people that really fully understood um, what their responsibilities are as leaders in the party, as, as, as officers in the party. And so the fact that we would just tell people to go vote for our sample ballot um, was not enough for me. I wanted people to understand the roles of the individuals on the ballot. So what I did was I took my time and um, I put together a brochure that identified every office that would appear on the midterm ballot. So when we're talking about governor, I included the president, even though the president was not on the midterm ballot, but I included the president because I think people needed to know what we should be holding our elected officials accountable for. It's not enough to just tell somebody to vote for this name and they don't know what that person is supposed to be doing. And so um, when it came to that, I, I, I put that in the category of not only um, voter, voter rights, but voter education. We have a right to know what people are supposed to be doing, right? And, exactly. Yes, but the other thing, most notably and most recently, um, I'm 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 pleased to say my colleague and council president and I, uh, Pernell Jones, um, just recently passed legislation to make sure that um, our board of elections on elections day on election days have the resources to be able to operate um, effectively. And what that means is sometimes we don't have enough people staffing our polling locations, which results in long lines and a number, a myriad of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was pass legislation to ensure that our board of elections, if they needed support from um, the other co- of county entities, other county employees, that we can make those employees available to them on that day to be able to ensure that we have um, continue to have free and fair elections here in Cuyahoga County. Um, and again, you know, I'm always going to battle. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that people are aware of that elections are occurring. This election that I'm in right now, it's a special election. Um, historically, 
the voter turnout is um, has been low. We do have another candidate in the race that has some national notoriety, so we expect a bump in turnout, but it will be nothing like what we see during our presidentials and our midterm elections because we just don't get the earned media attention of um, of those race of those caliber races. But I just want people to know in Ohio, elections happen every year. People would probably be surprised to know that this year we this year we have three elections coming up if you live in Cuyahoga County and if you live specifically in the 11th congressional district you have three elections so the August the August 3rd primary election for for my race and then after that you have the September 13th mayoral race and then after that you have the November I think it's second general race general election race so then this this might also come as a surprise to folks depending on what community you live in you may have already experienced one or two elections. Um, three elections have happened this year already, but it just depends on the community that you live in. So right. we had one in May 4th. Um, we had a, a light um, levy on on our ballot, just renewing a levy. Um, but, you know, people, people weren't aware. May 4th, there was an election. There were some folks on the ballot, depending on what city you live in. So... I just want people to know and be aware and as excited about their politics as we are about our entertainment and sometimes our sports, you know? Would you, I agree with you 100%. And I believe in, in my heart that we really, te- we really need more civic engagement and oh, education. Absolutely. That's something that I want to work on now. So whomever is in office, I'll, if it's you, Chantel, yes. or whatever you're doing, because yes. it sounds like this is also what you were talking about, civic engagement. Yes. You want to educate your community. Mm-hmm. And we can't make educated decisions if we don't have the knowledge right that's right so yeah so i that's something that um we talk about all the time i'm i'm fortunate to um have the privilege to go into classrooms from time to time in a nonpartisan way but just engaging students and helping them to understand their political power and and how things are um not by coincidence but purely by design i mean when we think about the wealthiest um men his the wealthiest people in the world historically have been um, you know, elderly white men, right? When we think about right. it, and, but and when we think about who's been in power in this country, who has it been? Uh, you know, shaping elderly our politics, white elderly men. white men. So, you know, so there's, there's, there. That's no coincidence. The people who are designing the rules of the game, you know, are in a position to be able to shape it towards their benefit. And so, if we aren't participating in politics, then we are um, absolutely putting ourselves at a deficit when it comes to um, pu- shaping shaping rules and policy that can certainly reverse the course of decades and centuries of disparities that have impacted communities of color. And that was largely in part. Um, the foundation and the premise of the racism as a public health crisis. It was not founded um, for me on the tragic killing of George Floyd, nor the um, the disparities that just amplified how um, black communities are um, negatively impacted in healthcare. Mine actually stemmed from infant mortality crisis and that infant mortality crisis we had third world infant mortality rates it's black women with first class hospitals especially here in Cuyahoga County and those things this just did not make sense um and so for me the 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 the, it comes down to again the systemic and institutional practices that have put us put us in that position to not be able to carry babies to full term or to 
um, have our baby survive beyond their first birthday was institutional. It was systemic. It was absolutely. It was, it was racism, but it, at the core, it was it was the it was the fact that people like us were not at the decision making table to shape policies to benefit right. us, and so we got to vote. So we got to have people at the table with not just the courage to demand more, but to deliver more. And I've done that. And yes, you have. <laughs> Lastly, but certainly not least, universal pre-kindergarten. Yes. There was an additional $3.1 million in funding doubling the seats available for our babies. Yes. Thank you, Chantel. <laughs> you are so welcome. Listen, um, research also shows that, you know, you invest early in our, in our children in ages three to four. Um, it changes the entire trajectory of their lives. It puts them on a much more um, promising pathway to prosperity. And it um, it is it was needed. And the good thing about that, Tammy, is that that was also a public-private partner, partnership. Um, okay. the, re- we, the resources that we use um, was, the, was the starting point, but we got investments from folks like P- uh, PNC was at the table. So many more, but they, they, were, they really led the charge um, in helping with that uh, initiative. And because of that, then we were able to expand from 2000 to, I want to say 4,500 students that have access to not high quality pre- and pre-kindergarten um, education. And, and, and that is much different from just putting a child in daycare, you know, just making sure that, again, that we're building them up and getting them ready to be um, to be better citizens. And if we as a society, as a community, but as a society as a whole, especially as a community, recognize the importance of education and educating our babies as early as possible, that is the future. So we have like it's, if we don't put money into education, be it civic, be it um, say yes to education, be it uh, universal pre-K, we are setting ourselves up for failure. The, these these babies are ultimately going to be the next CEOs, the next, um, the next uh, journalists, the next uh, podcast hosts, <laughs> the next, um, the next everything, the next CEOs, the next That's surgeons, right. the next doctors, and so we need to make sure that we're investing in them. And so, you know, yes, um, spending money on things right now is very important. But our education, we have fallen so far behind um, in our education, and so that is really, really important to me to make sure that we're investing um, our resources in education and putting things back that were removed like extracurricular activities. Um, I'll just share one quick story if I can. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead, Chantel. I met a young lady. Her name is Leanne. She was the first graduate of our Say Yes to Education program. And she shared a story with me. She had come from another um, city. And when she came to Cleveland Public Schools, now she was a a great celloist. She knew how to play the cello. And she knew that that would be her path to um, getting a a scholarship and and going to college. But when she got to um, Cleveland Public Schools and didn't realize that they didn't have these programs in place. It was devastating to her and she did, she just did not know how things would come to fruition for her to be able to go to college. Well, thank God for Say Yes to Education because that really was the safety net that availed her to be able to go to college. But the fact that we don't have those programs in all of our schools like we used to um, really sheds a light on the importance of really expanding those extracurricular activities to help our people, our young students um, find number one, a passion. And then um, number two, something to uh, something to enhance their uh, educational experience and their opportunities to advance, whether it's for college or again, whatever it is they're passionate about. And so I am um, 
I'm proud to have made that investment and, and we need to continue to make those type of investments again because it's really putting um, a spotlight on securing the future, not only of the 11th Congressional District, but our country as a whole. I agree with you 100%. And I want to give you a minute or so to speak to the residents of Northeast Ohio and to let them know what is your vision? What do you want to see for Northeast Ohio if you become our Congresswoman? Oh, thank you for that. So for me, again, it is a healthcare, jobs and justice. I, I am running to fulfill the legacy of those that have come before me, having the courage of a Lewis Stokes who demanded that we have reflective representation in our government. And I've done that. Having the connection to the community, um, as Stephanie Tubbs Jones did, where she made sure we had a seat at the table and we weren't on the menu. I am that. And making sure that we have the competence and compassion and character of a Marsha Fudge who has elevated to been elevated to the Biden-Harris administration. I have done that. And so for me, the vision for the future, we are in a once-in-a-lifetime um, opportunity to really, really uh, reverse decades of disparity because we have an administration that's looking through a lens of equity, equality, and equality and inclusion and and these investments can really really make the difference and re um reshape the landscape of the 11th congressional district we are at a prime time for change in our district we are inevitably going to have a new congressional representative and we are going to inevitably have a new mayor in the city of cleveland and so we need to be able to maximize these opportunities with folks that have vision and who have also not only the vision and the courage to demand and deliver more but really are in a position to work with folks um, at the congressional level all the way to the local level. I am proud to say I have earned the support of over 100 elected officials in this race. Um, They are here on the ground. They know what the needs are. They're here every day in their communities. And so the fact that they are trusting me to be their partner to help deliver and continue to deliver results is what I envision for the 11th Congressional District. A continuum of change in all the best ways is what I is what I see. And so that is my hope. And that is why I am humbly, but with bold expectation, asking people to vote for Chantel Brown, Chantel Brown, Chantel Brown. I say it three times for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm asking them. That's right. Yes. And I'm asking them to, to find it least seven people because that seven again has been so significant that was the number that i won my first election by but not only that seven is also when early voting starts july 7th seven seven so if people can remember that july 7th get seven people to vote early join us down at the local your board of elections cash your ballot for chantel brown and that that is my that is my ask and that is my hope and my vision for the 11th Congressional District, stretching from Northeast Ohio all the way down to Akron. Um, I want to be the person that continues to deliver results for folks. You sound like the perfect person to me, Shantae. Thank you, Tammy. (laughs) You sound like you have a plan and your partnerships over 100. I mean, you are, I think, a, a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank you. I think you are something that we need. We need some changes here all around. As we can mm-hmm. see, we have a new mayor situation. Mm-hmm. We have a new congressperson situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe, what, most of the council. So yeah. we can really do some new things in this region. Yes, we can. We get the right people in office. So for those people that want to support you, Chantel, how do they reach out to you? 
You can visit our website, ChantelBrown.com, or you can check out our office at 13226 Shaker Square. Now, if you're not familiar or comfortable with addresses, Shaker Square is right next door to the old yours truly. The old yours truly. There's two, um, there's a dual restaurant sharing the space. Um, one is the vegan shop and I think the other one is the breakfast club but we're right there you can park in the back and walk through the breezeway there's a breezeway or you can park in the front and walk straight inside Um, or you can call our office 216-400-7559 again that is 216-400-7559 we are always looking for great people to help us with this endeavor because it's going to take everyone under the sound of my voice to get us um, to a place called Victor on August 3rd. So again, early voting starts July 7th. I would encourage people to check your voter registration. Don't just assume you have not been purged because our our state government is tricky. They, they'll purge people unknowingly. So I don't want you to show up on uh, July 7th and, and say, wait a minute, I just voted last time. How am I not registered? Because that has happened to folks. So please, please, please check your voter registration. You can do that by going to voteohio.gov. But to join me, Check me out, ChantelBrown.com, or visit us on Shaker Square or call 216-400-7559. Well, on that note, Ms. Chantel Brown, I want to spell this out so everybody know. Chantel Brown, S-H-O-N-T, as in Tom, E-L, Brown, B-R-O-W-N.com. Well, you're on. Do you need volunteers? I absolutely do. We absolutely do. As I mentioned, um, there, there's another candidate who's been um, able to raise significant funds. But I will say this to folks, these races are not solely decided by money. They are decided by the people who live here, who know who's been doing the work. So, yes, donations are welcome to help us get our message out further and wider um, to the people who um, are able to vote in this election. So, yes, you can go to ChantelBrown.com. There's a Contribute Now button on our website. So, And let me tell you, I cannot overstate this. No donation is too small no donation okay it's too small so please 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 no donation is too small you can make a donation if i've said anything um that has given you some um some inkling that you you are excited now to participate in this election or you didn't know about it or you know what that that you have are willing to support my candidacy please 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 sign up um volunteer the 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 easiest thing to do though is to spread the word on your social media platform share this with your friends family and neighbors um so that they know they can hear a little bit more about me and what i'm about um because that is how we will essentially win win this race is uh your support be it on boots on the ground um all hands on deck or pushing that share and that like button um to get this message out to more and more people so that they know about my candidacy and the importance of this race well that's why we're doing this podcast because we want people to know about Chantel brown yes you have given us a lot of information today uh, early voting starts July 7th. Yes, That's ma'am. at 7-7. Mm-hmm. And the special primary election is August the 3rd. Mm-hmm. So I wish you all the all the best, Chantel. Thank all you, the best Tammy. In the world. Thank you, and Tammy. And I'm going to be reaching out to you again. I know you'll return my phone call. That's, that's what I know for sure. <laughs> that's what you know. Yes. And we have something coming up at the end of the month that you might want to participate in. So I want to thank you for coming on to Tammy Talks to the first ever African-American woman 
County, Cuyahoga County chairperson. Beautiful. Thank you. We wish you all the way. Thank I appreciate you. it. I appreciate Tammy it. Talks too, Chantel. I look forward to seeing you in the near future. See you on the campaign trail, Tammy. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right. God bless you too. Bye-bye.